Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, LSM radio.org. Now, here's our show today. Numbers is a book that records many wonderful items related to God's people Israel in their journey through the wilderness on their way to the good land, but it also records some of their greatest failures. Perhaps the greatest among these was that spoken of in chapter 25, where many among Israel committed fornication and adultery with some of the idolatrous and pagan people dwelling in the land. This brought in God's judgment is seen by the plague that fell upon Israel, consuming 24,000. But this judgment served as a kind of purifying of the people, and it enabled them eventually to go in and possess the land that they had been 40 years journeying toward. The renumbering of God's people for the possession of the good land is our topic today. And Francis Ball has joined us for another life study in Numbers. Francis, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much, Chris. It's always good to be with you. Francis, Numbers chapter 25 brings in the matter of the mixture of God's people. And as we pointed out, it resulted in this severe judgment upon them in the form of a plague resulting in the death of all of these people. We've seen Jehovah judge Israel before, Francis, with fire and kind of an earthquake that swallowed up some rebellious ones and with an earlier plague. But this judgment seemed to go farther. What brought in such a serious judgment upon God's people in this case, Francis? Well, the main thing that brought this judgment in was that the sin of mixture with the pagan people. There was fornication and adultery, as you mentioned, and this is kind of a mixture among God's people that really spoils their purity. And God's way is a pure way. So when this kind of impure mixture comes in, he's forced to judge it in order to be righteous, in order to be what he is, who he is. So I I believe this is really what's the background of this kind of uh, judgment that came on these people. And 24,000 of these died in that plague as a result of the judgment of God. Francis, you used the word purity, and uh, as we're going to see today, the judgment here was more than just an expression of his uh, righteousness being offended, but it was, in the Lord's eyes and in reality, a kind of a purifying, a purification of the people. And now following that, when we get to chapter 26, which is really the chapter we're focusing on today, the Lord numbers them 
for the second time. And we saw earlier at the beginning of the book, the numbering had to do with the forming of Israel into an army for fighting. That's also very much a kind of theme in our program today, isn't it? Yes, that is it. And then uh, we're going to see why these people were renumbered before they go into the good land. Let's just look at a couple of verses right at the beginning of chapter 26 to sort of underscore and reinforce what we've been talking about. Verses 1 and 2 say this, Now after the plague, Jehovah spoke to Moses and to Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saying, Take the sum of the whole assembly of the children of Israel from twenty years old and upward by their father's households, all who are able to go forth for military service in Israel. So once again, the numbering is to prepare them into the proper kind of army that they could fight their way in to possess God's good land. Mm -hmm. A marvelous picture again. We have a lot of pictures that uh, have an application for us in this book, don't we? Yes. It's amazing all the pictures you have here, and they have a direct application to our present situation in moving on with the Lord to enter into him as our only enjoyment. How about we go to Witness Lee? This chapter is on the numbering. There were only two times of numbering of God's people. At the beginning, it was there at the foothill of Mount Sinai. And that time of numbering was absolutely for what? For the formation of the army to fight for Jehovah and to journey with him. The goal of the first numbering was for the formation of an army to follow Jehovah and to fight for his kingdom. But this time the numbering is mainly for the purpose to inherit the good land. Of course, to enter into the good land, to reach such a goal, still needs certain amount of fighting. Even the last minute, to last step, even the very border of the good land, there is still the need of fighting. The Christian life, in this life, we could not forget fighting. In every inch, we should fight. We fight for every inch. And to fight means to be on alert, to be watchful, and to be praying and to be one with the Lord all the time. Well, Francis, as we've seen, God numbered his people in the Old Testament primarily for the purpose of forming them into an army. And the fighting aspect of the Christian life, I think, is very well depicted by these shadows, these pictures in the Old Testament, where the Israelites had to fight all the time, eventually to gain the land inch by inch, as he said. Fighting in the New Testament, in the uh, context of the Christian life, I think it's an interesting topic that is not spoken of enough, or at least accurately enough, according to uh, the real revelation here. Let's uh, take a look for a moment at the kind of fighting that we, the believers, are called for. Well, we certainly are called for a kind of fighting, because to go on with the Lord beyond just believing in Him and hoping that someday we'll be taken away to heaven or wherever But there's a fight going on, and we need to be formed into an army to fight this battle all the way through because there are many evil things that we confront in our journey in this Christian life. 
many temptations, and I'm really comforted by that word in 1 Corinthians that says, There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, Mm. but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape. So we have to realize that we do have a battle on our hands. There is an enemy that we're fighting, and that enemy often is just in ourself and is often uh, some kind of desire that we have that weakens us and causes us to begin to fall back. He pointed out here in his speaking near the end that one of the things that needs to be occupying us as the believers in terms of the warfare here, the fighting, is this matter of the kingdom. That means a focus different from, as you just said, maybe we have a, an individual problem and we consider that, well, we need to fight to get through oh, a besetting sin or a problem with this or that that uh, always seems to stumble us. But the kind of fighting that's depicted here because of God numbering all of the people to form a corporate force, a corporate fighting unit, an army, means that they were focused on something much greater, much broader than their own specific problems and, uh, and issues, uh, doesn't it? Yes, that is a very important thing and much more fitting to this whole picture because it's all the children of Israel that are fighting this way. They've been formed into an army. They're moving toward the goal, and they were formed in the army for that purpose. And the fighting is really a corporate matter. It's not just an individual matter and really requires us to uh, to be one with one another and to be formed into a, a fighting unit so that we can move on. The enemy is after destroying our corporateness as well as our individual Christian life. So we have to realize that we need to be those that watch and pray and remain one with the Lord all the time, as Brother Lee said. Yes, those three items, uh, those are really good specifics, weren't it, that he gave us that very much sum up the nature that our fighting, our warfare, our weapons are uh, found in this realm, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal through the flesh, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, even bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. You know, in the New Testament, Francis, the book of Ephesians is one that's often looked upon as being a real key to this matter of the warfare related to the Christian life. This matter of the corporate aspect of God's purpose, and particularly in this realm of the warfare, is vitally important. It's really the key element. That's true. And Ephesians really is all together on the matter of the corporateness of God's people. In the first chapter, he talks about being the body. Mm -hmm. In the second chapter, he talks about being the one new man being created at the cross. And then in chapter 3, you have uh, the person of Christ. Also in Ephesians 4, you have the way that the body is built up by the gifted ones perfecting all the saints for the work of the ministry of building up the body of Christ. When you get to chapter 5, you have the relationship of uh, husband and wife as an illustration of our Christian life. And then chapter 6, you have the army. One corporate warrior is depicted there. There's plenty there to really absorb us in this matter of the warfare. I think Ephesians 6 would be a very good chapter to read along with hearing this message. Yeah, it really would. Well, let's get back to uh, Witness Lee's portion today. We're going to continue the look here at the situation among God's people, Israel. And in this portion, I think we'll see an application very directly to us, what we've talked about already, this mixture that was brought in by the uh, very evil behavior of God's people, Israel, resulting in a mixture within the people of God that really brought in the Lord's severe judgment 
And in the New Testament, we have a verse that I think matches this quite closely. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For it is time for the judgment to begin from the house of God, and if first from us, what will be the end of those who disobey the gospel of God? So the fact that we're Christians saved by grace and living by faith does not preclude us from coming under God's judgment, does it? That's right. There is a judgment of the house of God. That's where it starts. And we're going to see that in type as we see the Lord judging his people Israel. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The numbering was here right after a kind of failure. This is the last failure and the biggest one. You know, all these failures with their kind of judgment should be considered as a purification. And these kind of purification are just a kind of sifting. These are siftings. In Numbers chapter 11, right away at the start of their journey, the word says there was a mixture. Some impure ones were mixed up with the children of God. Mixture. And that was also a type, because the entire history of Israel was a complete type of the church. Now, even this is also a type. In the church life, there is always a mixture. From the Lord's time, even in his 12 apostles chosen by the Lord, there was a mixture. Among the 12, there was one who was not pure. Judas was a mixture. Then in apostles' time, in Acts, you could see mixtures. Even at the day of Pentecost, so many good ones. They sold all their properties and so forth. Yet, still, there was a couple. Ananias, and Sapphira, they were genuine believers, but they were not pure. Then when you come, especially to the end of Paul's ministry, he was to be martyred. He wrote the last book, the book to Timothy. He told us what a mixture there. Uh, some apostles just hate Paul to the utmost. Even so many in Asia who were raised up by Paul, all of them forsook Paul's ministry, quite a mixture there. I tell you, all the failures in ancient time and all the turmoils in modern day are used by the Lord to purify his people, to sift his people. After the top, the biggest failure, the children of Israel have been purified to the uttermost. The Lord told them, none of you, except Joshua and Caleb, could enter into that good land. That uh, punishment on the biggest failure was the last purification of the children of God before entering into the good land. Whatever is left that remains are the purified ones. Now, God has a people, pure, purified. So, they need to be renumbered. Francis, if we look at this picture, it's very obvious that the matter of mixture 
is very troubling to the Lord, something he just can't tolerate. If we use the measuring guide that he pointed out, the number of people consumed in this plague, it's the largest number of ones that were killed in all of the judgments brought upon Israel that are recorded in this book of Numbers. So we have to assume by that this must have been the most serious of their failures. But what does it signify to us, and why is this matter so serious to God? This is so serious to God because God is pure and God is holy, and he must have a holy people, and they must be the people as a whole. So if you let something of mixture of uncleanness or sinful things, of uh, unbelievers and not Israelites, and yet they were having relations with one another that completely mixed up the whole seed of this people. And when that impurity came in through the mixture— So God's strongest judgment comes against this kind of mixture that was brought in. And this was a a judgment that really was to deal with all these impurities. So the people that remained through these judgments are the ones that are purified by those judgments. Mm -hmm. Francis, I want to be careful how to bring this point up, but I think it is relevant as we're talking about an application here of this matter of mixture to God's people in the New Testament. That's us, the church. Mm And many works that are done today in the Lord's name involve, oh, the involvement or the addition of uh, some sort of a worldly activity and gate to try to increase the draw and you know, appeal to a larger number of people. And, and on the one hand, this seems like a good thing to try to uh, use something uh, added in to draw a larger crowd. But in principle, do we run the same risk that Israel ran here? That certainly is a more practical application, Chris, and I feel like we need to see this, that when we're doing something for the Lord, in the name of the Lord, we need to do it with the Lord and in the Lord. So this will eliminate our impurities and the mixtures that come in by using worldly means to preach the gospel as an example. Many times uh, all kinds of worldly means are used to try to attract people, but the Lord is not after attracting people by these kind of worldly, mixed-up means. He's really wants to attract people by his beauty, by his holiness, by his purity. And so he deals with these things, and he really, I would say, judges his people. Judgment must begin at the house of God. That shows that we may go along well with the Lord for a number of years, but it's not how we go on only. It's how we finish. Mm. And so in this case, we have in today's message— We have the judgment of these that were seen in the previous message, in the previous chapter in Numbers, how they were judged, and even 24,000 of them were killed. But the purpose of this was to purify his people as a whole. I think sometimes we don't give our gospel friends enough credit when we consider our own experience. It was really this Christ and what he had to offer outside of worldly enjoyments and entertainments that attracted us. I think we had plenty of those things before, and we were looking for something else, and yet we don't uh, give our friends or family members that we're uh, burdened to preach the gospel to the same benefit, that they might be just as attracted by this marvelous Christ. Paul was always saying, it's whom we preach. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. The pure one. Let's go back to Witness Lee, Francis. This time we want to look at the matter of the Levites standing as a replacement for the people of God. All the 11 tribes have a portion of land, but not the tribe of Levi. So we have the number of Levites. 
the number being 23,000, because they are extraordinary people among the people of God. Israel was a people so peculiar to God, standing alone just for God himself. Then among these peculiar people, there is an extraordinary tribe, that is Levi, the tribe of Levi. They are not numbered among the sons of Israel. No inheritance being given to them among the sons of Israel. Do you like to be this? You know, the Levites are just a tribe closer to God. To serve God in replacement of all the Israelites. You see? Christ is the replacement of us, and the Levites were replacements of all the Israelites. Francis, this was a short portion, and we don't have much time, but I do like the point here. The Levites were considered as a kind of a replacement. Another term that's used a lot in the Old Testament and in a couple of instances in the New Testament, I think in the book of Romans, is this word remnant. Mm -hmm. The Levites were not more... Jewish or Israelite or Hebrew than the other tribes, but he said they were a tribe that was closer to God, and so God counted them as a kind of a replacement. What about this principle in the Bible? This principle, I believe, that you're referring to, Chris, is a principle of a remnant. Right. A remnant of God's people are really the ones who always carry God's purpose and God's goal, what he's after at that particular time. It seems that because of the battle and because of the uh, weakness of our person and so on, that there's always failures that come in. But God is looking for a people that will replace all the failed ones and will be able to come in and take the good land. Here at this juncture in the history of Israel, Mm -hmm. they're right at the entrance of the good land which they were promised. They fought all the way to this place, but right here toward the end, They have this mixture that comes in, and they have to be purified, and so many of them were killed in the plague of God's judgment. Now God wants to replace them, and he has a renumbering of Israel, but this renumbering is a remnant. This remnant uh, is called here the Levites. They were part of Israel, but they were not a part of the Israel that inherits the good land, but they are closest to God. And they are really for God. And they're kept pure and they're set apart for Him. And this, you could consider, is the remnant that God is looking for. And even in this day, there is a remnant that will be preserved and be what we know and from uh, Revelation will be the overcomers mm-hmm. in this age that will be the remnant that enter in to enjoy Christ as the all-inclusive good land we've heard so much about on these programs. So Christ is really our goal. He's the all-inclusive one that's everything to us. Just as the good land was everything to Israel, this wonderful Christ in all that he is to us is our good land for us to inherit and for us to fight into, be a remnant that will gain this land for all of God's people. Wonderful way to conclude the program and wrap it up today. Uh, As always, I enjoyed our fellowship. Thanks very much, Francis. Thank you. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.